Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. Check back weekly to stay up to date with what God is doing here in the life of our church. To learn more information, you can find us online at sturkey.church. Our prayer here at the church at Sturkey Hills is that you are moved by this message. Guys, thanks for tuning in and have a blessed week. Well, hello, church family. Good to have you with us this morning at Online Church. I'm a little disappointed that we couldn't do drive-in church, but that will be back, and I look forward to it. I absolutely missed driving up, seeing the stage, and knowing that we weren't going to be there. But let me say this. I appreciate your faithfulness. The fact that you have embraced a change uh, to demonstrate that your willingness to be a part of the local church, even when things are kind of upside down and crazy. And so once again, I want to say thank you uh, for being the church that you are. It's an honor for me to get to pastor you and to be a part of this amazing church, the church at Sturkey Hills. We're going to have a good time today. We're going to finish our message, and uh, uh, we're going to sing a couple of songs. And so with that, let's get started, and, uh, and we're going to have a good time. Amen. Bye. 
take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good oh you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good oh you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good Oh, you turn it for good. Oh, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. So I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see.
God, join me as we pray. Father, we thank you for the day that you've given us, and we pray your blessing upon this time. And God, just like we just sang, uh, uh, I'm going to see a victory. There are those right now within uh, the distance of just hearing uh, this, this prayer who need to experience a victory. And God, God I, I want them to be encouraged to know that victory awaits. And, and that victory is found in you and you alone because you're worthy of it all, God. And so we give you this time. Open up our hearts and minds that we could only hear from you today. In Jesus' name, and God's people said amen. I would rather hear a horn blow as we've been doing at our drive-in church, but a, a simple amen will have to do for now. I want to invite you to open in your Bibles to John chapter 8. We're going to continue in our journey through this amazing gospel from Jesus' best friend, John. And uh, last week we, we started talking about the idea of freedom. And there are people right now, you, some of you, who need to experience freedom. And, and so freedom can be a pursuit in life, and, and everybody pursues three levels. Levels of freedom. There is an internal freedom, an external freedom, and an eternal freedom. And that freedom is found in Jesus. To, to experience all of that, it's found in Jesus. And that's what we talked about last week. Now, uh, we talked about the concept of the idea of freedom last week. Uh, it finds its origin not from man and not recently, but in the, the very beginning of the earth. Uh, when God created mankind, he gave them an abundance of freedom to eat of all of the trees of the garden. But with all of that freedom, there came some restrictions. And, and that restriction was simple. There's one tree that you can't eat of, uh, and in in the day that you do, you will surely die. You see, freedom comes with restrictions, but the restrictions are only given to protect and preserve the freedom that is offered. Well, last week, we, we titled this message, which is two parts, a freedom, excuse me, free to choose a new master. You are free to choose a new master. And that sounds a little odd uh, to say freedom and master in the same phrase, but that's exactly what it is because we all serve somebody. Now, point number one last week was, a free, was that freedom commands obedience. And, and we looked at it in chapter 8 of John, verses 31 and 32, and we learned a little bit about the confusion that exists, that people say they're Christians, but then they choose not to obey. And the problem with that is this, that people want a Savior, but they don't want a Lord. And you can't have a Savior if he's not your Lord. Uh, and we talked about in the Bible, 600 times Jesus is called Lord, and only about 25 times is he called Savior. And yet we embrace the Savior, and and we uh, refuse Jesus as Lord of our life and refuse to do what he says to do. Well, freedom is found in obedience. Jesus being Savior is his life given for ours, and Jesus being Lord is our life given for him. And, and so that's the separation. And there's a huge a chasm of difference between the two, and yet we must embrace both sides of Jesus in our life. Number two, we talked about freedom requires ownership. In verse 33, uh, we, we talked about the idea that before freedom can ever come in our life, uh, transparency must exist. Uh, we must be transparent in just simply owning who we are as sinful human beings in need of a Savior. There's no room for excuses in in God's uh, uh, gracious economy. The excuses never play out, and so we just own who we are. Uh, so in this text, the, the Jews were saying, yeah, we've never been in bondage to anybody. They had, 
they had forgotten, if you will. They didn't really forget, but they were uh, denying that they had ever been in bondage. They had forgotten. They had chosen to not include bondage to Egypt, bondage, bondage to Assyria, uh, bondage to uh, Babylon, bondage to the Chaldeans, and now bondage to Rome itself. And, and so uh, they were making excuses. Now that brings us to the new text for today, the second half of the message. Point number three, freedom provides opportunity. Freedom provides an opportunity. Now this opportunity, I want to explain, is an, an identity change. You see, when we come to Jesus, he changes everything about us from the inside out. And we have a brand new identity. And sometimes people want to embrace Christianity, but they never want to embrace fully their new identity found in Jesus. Now listen to what it says in John 8. Uh, verse 34 and 35. It says, Jesus answered them, and he said, I tell you the solemn truth. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And the slave does not remain in the family forever, but the son remains forever. And, and so Jesus is painting a picture of who we are and who we can be. Uh, we are slaves to sin, and we can be sons of God. And there's a huge difference between the two, and he explains how we can know for sure which one we are. Now, he says those who practice sin, they are enslaved to sin. Now, what does it mean to practice? It doesn't mean like going out in the backyard and practicing playing catch with your kid. It means to practice. It means it's, it's, uh, it's a part, a regular part of who you are. It is the nature of who you are, that particular sin. It's just who you are, and you never shake it. You never beat it. You throw in the, the, the towel. You wave, you, you wave the white flag, and, and you just never you'll find victory and freedom over that particular sin. Now, it, 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 when, when you practice it, it is that place where sin, it just becomes a new way of life or the way of life that you've embraced. It, it, sin is more common, that sin is more common than unusual. That sin is more regular than it is infrequent. That sin is more accepted than it is rejected. That sin has become the nature of who we are instead of a mistake that we push back and we battle and we fight to conquer it. Now, our choices uh, in these matters are part of the equation. Our choices define our destiny. Do you get that? Our choices define our des destiny. What, what, what we do with Jesus is a choice. And, and, and what, how much we allow, uh, allow Jesus to save us and how much we allow him to be our Lord determines our life now and our eternal destiny. Now, people often fail to find freedom because they don't really grasp the reality of the opportunity of an identity change before us. Often, people want to go to heaven when they die. People want to claim Christianity when somebody comes along and says, Hey, uh, uh, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. But they never embrace a true identity change. And, and, and every decision that we make, it points to the reality of whether we are what Jesus would say is a slave or a son. And so I would ask you today, it, does your life point to you being a slave to sin or a son of God through Jesus, his son? 
And, and it's a big difference. In, in, in a nutshell, I think we could say it this way. Often, people don't experience freedom because they love the feeling of bondage more than they love the feeling of freedom. I want to say that again because that's powerfully important. I want you to lean in on your couch. I want you to write this down big and bold and plain in your notes if you're taking notes. If not, write it down big in your mind. And it is this. We often love the feeling of bondage more than we love the feeling of freedom. Now, how could that be? Because those of us who have experienced some level of bondage in our life, some level of addiction in our life, we hate that thing. But sometimes it seems like there's not a light at the end of the tunnel. We just can't seem to get free from that thing that has us enslaved. Well, I want you to hear me. Maybe the reason often that we love bondage more than we love freedom is because we've never truly been liberated or emancipated, and therefore we really don't know what freedom feels like. Now that's a hard statement, right? But the truth is this, if we've never really experienced the freedom that Jesus offers us, then all we know is how much we enjoy the sin that we have embraced. It's kind of like if you have pets at your house, you, uh, you, you may have a dog, and often a dog, if all it's ever known is the backyard, within the confines of the fence, then there's a whole world out there just waiting to be explored, waiting to be sniffed out. And, and, but if all you know is the confines of the fence, often a dog will become so acclimated to the bondage of a fence that when the, when the gate is left open, the dog may walk right up to the gate and look out at the big old world and never leave because all it knows is what it has experienced. Now, now, you may say, well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Okay, watch this. In the Old Testament, uh, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, had been in bondage for uh, 400 years. And Moses came along, the great deliverer, and he led the people out of Egypt, uh, headed to the promised land, to the place of freedom, this place that God had appointed for them. Along the way, if you, you may remember in the story, they, they haven't been gone very long. Uh, they've been released from Egypt. Now they are on a journey headed to freedom. They haven't experienced true freedom yet because they haven't made it to the promised land. You will recall that they begin to murmur and complain. In fact, in one, uh, several times, uh, the nation of Israel told Moses that we were better off enslaved in Egypt making bricks. We would be better to go back and live there than on this journey that you have led us out here to die in. Now listen, sometimes that's what we feel like when we're fighting for freedom, when we're pursuing freedom. It can be difficult. We're on a journey. And so during the journey, sometimes all we know is what we experienced in bondage, and we want to reach back and say, that really wasn't that bad. Trust me when I say bondage to anything other than Jesus is always bad. But it is led by the great deceiver, and he makes us believe that where we're at in bondage uh, is, is as good as it gets. It is not as good as it gets. Jesus offers us so much more. Now, the bondage that limits our freedoms, it often comes in different packages, different sizes, different shapes, different colors, different designs. Uh, to mention a few of these, they come in eating, eating too much, eating too little, drinking, working, anger, 
unforgiveness, control, critical spirit, negativity, faithlessness, worry, materialism, and the list goes on and on. Now, I would ask you, uh, if, if the list needed to continue, because maybe you heard that list and you said, dodge the bullet, I have none of those in my life. Maybe you have something that it's entirely different, but you know it's holding you back from the freedom that Jesus wants you to experience. So what is that for you? So what is bondage? Bondage is anything that generates problems for us in life. Bondage is anything that makes our decisions for us in life. Bondage is anything that we are aware of or that someone has mentioned to us before in our life. Bondage are things that are altering our lifestyle and our choices every day. Now, here's the funny thing about it. What I just listed is also true if we are bound to Jesus. If we're no longer a slave to sin, but now we're a slave uh, to Jesus. We're no longer a slave, but we're a son of God in Jesus' name. Those things are, are true. It should, it should generate problems for us in our life because we're living a life different than the world. It, it should make decisions for us. We, we do things compelled to please Jesus rather than self and the world. Uh, it, it, it makes us, the people around us make us aware that there's something different about our life. Uh, these things, when we're enslaved to Jesus, they alter our lifestyle every day. Now listen, maybe you're listening today and you claim Christianity. If somebody asks you, you say, yeah, I'm a Christian. You, you, you may claim Christianity, but the real question is, is Jesus more than just your Savior? Is he the Lord of your life? And are you bound to him? A Jesus, a Paul said, I am a slave to Jesus. Are you a slave to Jesus? Do you do his, his uh, will in everything? Is your, is your goal in life to live for him rather than yourself or the world around you? So Jesus now stands before us as an opportunity, an opportunity for an identity change. And when he changes our identity, it comes from the inside out. It changes. It moves us to a place where we hate sin. We hate bondage to sin. We, we want to, to, to enjoy freedom, the freedom in Jesus every day and every decision <clears throat> that we make. And so it's an amazing opportunity. And when he changes our identity, you must understand, he changes literally everything from the inside out. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21 says, So then if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. What is old has passed away, and look, what is new has come. And all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's trespasses against them, and he has given us the message of reconciliation. You see, we're new creatures, and as new creatures, we have a new identity. Our identity moves from being a son of our father, the devil, to a son of God through Jesus Christ. He reaches in and radically changes everything about us. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to have him as Savior and the Lord of our life. Our identity changes from slave 
to son. Now, the importance of that is this. A slave doesn't have any rights. They have no inheritance. A son, on the other hand, has the rights that the father gives him and also an inheritance. You, you need to understand freedom is found when we, when we understand Jesus doesn't just change our world now. He changes our eternal existence. We are co-heirs with Jesus. Everything that Jesus has been given to him from the Father as his brothers and sisters adopted into the kingdom, now we have that same inheritance. Church, listen. Christians, listen. We have much to live for, but we have much more to look for because one day he makes everything right and he rewards us. That's what the scripture says. And so our identity changes everything. And you may be thinking, I know it changes everything. I am a Christian, but I still have this struggle, this battle, this war within me to compelled a proclivity for this particular sin. And, and I just, you don't understand maybe what it feels like to be tempted like that. Uh, yes, I do. I understand temptation. I've had bondages in my life. In fact, anybody who is transparent before God understands the, the, the battle with temptation. But I want you to know that temptation doesn't come from God. The temptation comes from your old identity. Your temptation comes from that old you before the new you showed up. In James chapter 1 verse 14, it says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. By her own desire, by that old thing, when we no longer, when we forget that our identity now is in Jesus, it's not about us, it's about Jesus in us. So Christians, those of you who say that Jesus has saved you, if he has saved you, then he must lead as Lord. And let me tell you something about Jesus. He will never, ever lead you back to bondage. That place that he had to die on a cruel cross to deliver you from, he will never lead you back to that place. If you find yourself in that place, it's because you allowed yourself and the enemy of your old identity to lead you back to that place. Galatians 5.1 says this. It says, for freedom Christ has set you free. I'm going to say that again. For freedom Christ has set you free. Stand Firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You know what that's saying? Jesus died a brutal death to make you free. Therefore, stand on that. Plant your feet on that. Live in that reality. And never, ever go back to that yoke of your old identity. You see, sometimes people have a new identity in Jesus, but they kind of drag that old dead self around just in case they hit a spot where it's uncomfortable, maybe a spot where they're, they're not enjoying the freedom as much as they should, maybe a part of the journey that's just not fun. And listen, our new identity doesn't mean that everything is always pleasant. Sometimes it's tough living for Jesus. But those are the moments that we're instructed in Galatians 5, Plant our feet, drive a stake in it, stand firm, and don't go back and embrace that yoke of bondage that we were once enslaved to today. 
So I want you to tell the person sitting on the couch or sitting in the chair next to you, tell your children, the choice is yours. Which identity will you live under? A slave to sin or a son of God in Jesus' name? Now, that's where it all ends. Now, point number four. Freedom is obtained. Freedom is obtained. Now, what this is talking about, it's not earned. You see, a lot of times we, we've been instructed that if we are good enough, he'll love us more. That, that God's love toward us is contingent upon how good we are. That's a lie. That's a lie. God loves us because he's love, not because we're good. And so we need to be liberated from that, and we need to understand that freedom is obtained. It is a free gift of God. He has already placed it out there, extends it to us, and we must embrace it. Now listen to what it says in verse 36 of John chapter 8. It says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be really free. I just kind of like that verse. I like the, the, whole, the sound of that whole verse. It's just packed with truth. It says, so if, a little bitty word with two letters, but a powerful meaning. If the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you will be. You will be. It's emphatic. It will happen. You will be really free. It's just, it's just uh, liberating to read that and embrace that and think about that, man. We, ha we have the option extended to us. We simply obtain the freedom that Jesus was nailed on a cross to provide to us. We just simply have to obtain it. It's, it's all found in Jesus. He says, if, if the Son has set you free, you're really free. If Jesus has set you free, you're really free. Uh, I want you to understand, often, here's where the problem comes in, why we're not liberated, why we haven't been set free. is because we don't allow Jesus to do the work that he's already done for us. So what we do is we try to work up our own freedom. You know, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Let me just answer that question. You cannot. You will never find freedom, full, really free freedom, on your own it must come through Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross I, I want you to know that you'll never set yourself free I'll never set myself free I will never set you free you will never set me free freedom comes from one source and his name is Jesus the Son of God now now he's he says here he says if Jesus if the Son has set you free you are really really free now, what that is, is trying to say is there's only one place for you to find freedom. It must be declared on you. It must be declared by an authority figure. I can't declare it on you, and you can't declare it on me. It must be declared from an authority figure. Well, the greatest authority in all of human history was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You, you, how is he the greatest authority? Because he spoke the world into existence. He was here at creation's door. Uh, the Bible says he now sustains all of creation. He makes it happen every day. And being all God, yet all man, he came to this earth and died to purchase us back out of the devil's uh, bondage, out of his camp with his own blood. So he has the most authority any human being has ever had because he is God in human form. Now, I'm sure you saw on the news lately because of the COVID-19 uh, that some of the governors have released some prisoners 
from jail. And they did that to prevent the spread of the virus in the prison in these overcrowded prisons. Now, I want you to know something. This paints a picture of how, how freedom must be declared from an authority figure. The prisoner couldn't stand at the, at the bars, you know, like in the old westerns with their metal tin cup dragging it across. Let me out. Let me out. It's not going to do him any good. The warden of the prison can't say, hey, old Jimmy over here is, uh, is a pretty good guy, so I think we ought to let him out. They don't care what the warden thinks. The, the prisoner next door in the cell next door can't say, hey, the guy next door, he, he needs out for good behavior. And honestly, I, I think he was incarcerated uh, on, uh, on bad charges. I think he's innocent. It doesn't matter what the guy in the cell next door thinks. It doesn't matter what, uh, what anybody thinks until the governor the authority of the state, the head of the whole state, until he issues a pardon and declares with authority freedom for that person, only then is it real. And so that's what we need to understand. Freedom cannot be claimed or, or declared by you. It must be declared by an authority figure, and that authority figure is Jesus Christ the Son of God, the one who was nailed to a cross to purchase your freedom, uh, he now stands and offers freedom into your life. Jesus sets you free, and he's the only one that has the power to do so. Now, he has done everything possible. He's done everything to provide freedom to you. Your job, my job, is simply to receive that freedom, embrace that, re uh, that freedom, uh, claim that freedom and walk and do life in that freedom. And the choice is ours whether or not we continue to obtain freedom from Jesus. Jesus had made this declaration, you will be really free. And that's his goal. That's why he died on a cross for, for us. Now, there's many people who claim Christianity, Christianity without claiming the freedom that comes with it. Let me, let me tell you what this looks like, okay? Several years ago while doing student ministry, I had a young man in my group, and he was amazing. He was a good-looking guy, well-built guy, very bright, very athletic. I mean, he, he was a full package. And, 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 man, I loved him. He was awesome. And uh, he would lead worship. I mean, he did a lot of things. So, so one day this amazing young man came to me, and he said, uh, I need to talk to you. And, man, I could tell on his face he, he was in the middle of a struggle. And I said, sure, what's going on? And I'm thinking, okay, he's a young man. He's a good-looking guy. Maybe he has somebody pregnant. Uh, maybe he's been viewing pornography. Some of the ones, you know, I've been fooling around. Some of those things that I would hear out of a young guy. And, uh, and so I'm, 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 I'm eagerly listening, and he began to explain this story. I said, okay, brother, what, what's your problem? I'm, I'm, all, I'm all ears, man. I'm listening. And he said, well... I have this problem, and I can't seem to get over it, and it began several years ago when I was in middle school. And I said, okay. I'm thinking, ooh, this has been going on for a while. And I said, okay, okay what's your problem? He said, well, um, when I was in middle school, I had these little green army men, not what I thought. And he said, these little army men, I, I would set them on the top shelf in my locker. And when I'd close my door, one, one, one Friday when I left school, or Thursday when I left school, I closed the door. And that night at football middle school, I had the best game I'd ever played. And so it clicked in me that every week I needed to be sure that these Army men were all standing up. And now it's compounded into this problem. So now it's every Friday night before the football game, 
I have to stand the army men up in my locker, and uh, I close the door, and I walk away. But then I start thinking, what if one of them fell over? I might get injured, or I might have a terrible game, or we might lose, and it would be my fault. So I go back, and I open the locker, and I make sure all my army men are standing up. And, uh, and then I close the door real subtly, and then I walk away. And sometimes I find myself doing that maybe a dozen or two dozen times before I'm comfortable. And I'm never really comfortable walking away because what if somebody closed their locker too hard and it caused my army men to fall over? And I'm sitting here listening thinking that is not where I thought this conversation was going. Now, you may have just heard that story, and, and he's, he was in bondage to what would possibly be defined as obsessive compulsion, compulsion disorder, or whatever that's called, compulsive d- disorder. And, and you may be thinking, that's the most ridiculous story I've ever heard. How could anybody be worried about little green army men on the shelf of their locker? And how could they even begin to remotely think that it affected the outcome of a football game? Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Well, I want to let you know, all of our sin proclivities, all of our bondage to sin is ridiculous from Jesus' perspective. Not only that, some of it is even ridiculous to me. And I, I think you would agree when you look around in this world and you see the hang-ups, the hurts and the habits that people embrace and deny freedom because of, you would think, how does that even happen? It's ridiculous, isn't it? I, I thought of some of them. I don't understand. It seems ridiculous to me why somebody, how somebody could be addicted to pills that they would spend thousands and thousands of dollars every week to take pills to alter their mind. I don't get it. It seems ridiculous. I don't understand why people drink alcohol and, and drink it in excess to alter their mind and, and refuse to believe that it's damaging in their life. I don't get it. I see it seems ridiculous to me. I don't understand why people stand outside Weigel's or the local Quick Mart and scratch until their fingers are bleeding on these lottery cards in hope of winning a million. I don't understand why people take hard-earned money and put it in a slot machine in Vegas. I don't understand that. It seems ridiculous to me. It seems ridiculous to me that people would have tremendous anxiety about coronavirus. It is what it is, and God's sovereign. Maybe we get it, maybe we don't, but, but we sit around and have anxiety. I don't understand why people become almost suicidal in their depression because their 401K has lost 30, 40, 50% in its value. I, I don't understand how people spend hours and hours and hours viewing a pornography on their computers or on their television. And, of course, I don't understand why anybody would ever want to worry about little green army men standing on the top shelf of their locker. I just wanted to, wanted to put that in perspective. Listen, all of those are ridiculous to Jesus because Jesus died on a cross to emancipate and liberate all of us from all of that. And I want you to know today, maybe you, maybe you have somebody in your family, maybe somebody you work with, maybe a neighbor, maybe just a friend who is bound to this stuff. Maybe the list, maybe one of the items on the list, maybe another list. I want you to know with certainty Jesus has, has provided 
a way, a door to freedom from all of that. And he looks at it and he says, what I hold before you is freedom. And it's kind of ridiculous that you would choose to maintain that old identity instead of allowing me to rewrite your identity, to begin to sculpt you and to make you into who I want you to be and not who it is the world says that you should be. And so we get a, cho a choice whether to follow Jesus or not. And so in conclusion, this is what Jesus is saying today. He says, if you will come to me and bring all of your baggage and all of your bondage, I will exchange it for all of my rightness, my righteousness, and all of my freedom because I am God and I am outside of your world and outside of your understanding and I understand freedom and I will give it to you. But it hangs on a few simple truths, the truths of this passage in John 8. Jesus says, I do command obedience. I command that you make me Lord and not just Savior. I do require ownership and transparency that it begins with you saying really who you are. I uh, require, I provide opportunity, an opportunity for a brand new identity, not not some form of dichotomy of the old you and the new you walking hand in hand through the park. I want you to have a new identity. Behold, all old things are passed away. And finally, Jesus says, I am obtained and not earned. He says, I extend it to you, and all you need to do is receive it. And if you'll receive it, you will be, I love this, really free. And it's my prayer today that every one of you, every one of us, walk in the freedom that Jesus has died and rose again to give us. It's important and it's life-changing. Life gets good when we walk in the freedom that Jesus offers. And in closing, a personal testimony. I, I got saved as a little boy. Uh, no doubt. I asked Jesus to come in my life, and, and the Bible says that if we do that, he'll come in. He really saves us. I didn't understand him being the Lord and the lead of my life until I was about 26 years old. And while singing in a choir, the Holy Spirit moved in my heart, and I thought he was going to kill me. I was praying, and I'm thinking, why? And why am I going through this? And I, I prayed, God, are you killing me? I have a little girl and another little girl on the way, and life, I'm, in, I'm, I'm living for you. Are you killing me? Are you taking me home? I mean, it's okay. I'll leave from the choir. And he spoke to my heart, and he said, no. He said, you gave me your heart when you were a little boy. I want you to give me the rest of your life. And on that night, I made him the Lord to go along with the fact that he was my Savior. And my life has been a life experiencing freedom more one day at a time on this journey. And what he offered to me can be obtained by you. I want you to join me as we pray. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for extending liberty to us. I thank you that there is no other place where liberty and freedom can be found but in you. And Jesus, I know that you have died on a cross, rose again on the third day to complete to complete the opportunity for us to have a complete identity change. And I pray for those who are listening right now, 
whatever bondage, whatever thing they may have that's, that's got them, that they wrestle with most, God, I pray that they would be willing to be transparent and just own it, be willing to lay it at the foot of the cross and to obtain the freedom that only you can give. And, the, and you can only give it because you can declare it by the authority that you, uh, that you have because you are God. And so I thank you for the opportunity to share this word today. I pray a blessing upon those who are viewing and their families during this uh, difficult time. And we give it all to you. We claim freedom in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. And let me say thank you for joining us today at Online Church. It's my prayer and hope that soon we'll be back to drive-in church. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. Our offering has been off the charts for the last couple weeks. I told somebody, we may not open the church back. We may just keep meeting in the parking lot. And with that, uh, we, we're not going to be able to stick a bucket in your front door to gather the offering. So if you'd like to give online or mail it in, you do that. Or if you, whatever, however you need to do, what you call us, uh, and uh, we'll make arrangements for that. And with that, I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope you walk in freedom. And remember, God is on his throne. God loves you, and your pastor loves you too. Be blessed, and have a great day, and amen.